Regeneration occurs in nature. There's examples throughout the animal and plant kingdom. We're looking at various sponges that live for 15,000 years. There's a number of things where we see this in uh, the example of salamanders where they get a tail cut off or even a lizard and it regrows. But the human liver is an amazing organ that can regenerate even when it's damaged or harmed. Hello everyone, this is our podcast, a very special webinar as well, and we're talking about regenerative medicine. I'm Dr. Nick Delgado and I'm Dr. Kathleen Garinger. We're here to talk about regenerative medicine because it's the state of the art. It's the biggest advancement in all of biological medicine. Why? Because those who understand this part of the science are going to have cutting edge breakthrough transformations in dealing with prior to this conditions that we believe were irreversible. We believe quite truly Looking at the science and the literature, you too will find this a fascinating talk. So please stay tuned and let's share as we go forward. What is regenerative medicine exactly? The problem of degeneration. We deteriorate both physically or mentally. To be less than our former self, go into disrepair and fall apart and break down. That is what we call aging at its most severe extent. The solution? So the solution. So we want to regenerate. We want to build, grow, and repair new tissue. Absolutely. And regeneration occurs in nature. There's examples throughout the animal and plant kingdom. We're looking at various sponges that live for 15,000 years. There's a number of things where we see this in uh, the example of salamanders where they get a tail cut off or even a lizard and it regrows. But the human liver is an amazing organ that can regenerate even when it's damaged or harmed. So let's take a look now in this incredible science that we're now talking about. What are stem cells? Everyone's talking about stem cells, exactly. but there's a lot of confusion and misinformation, correct? Of course. So stem cells are your body's repair system. It's your innate intelligence repair system. It really begins at the cellular level and as cells replicate do the repair in a fashion that's consistent with a healthy new cell. That's part of the issue. What do stem cells do exactly? Well, they seek out degeneration. They rebuild, repair, and create new tissue. It's partly almost like a homing device. It like searches out and seeks to repair. It's yeah. instead of seek and destroy, it seeks Six and, and repair. repair. Huge distinction and more importantly, we know that the body has a way of only certain cells that tend to seek out the 470 different cell types of the human body, the various types of cell types of the brain. And so this is what distinguishes those pioneering in very huge and amazing breakthroughs in rejuvenative medicine versus those who are just injecting stem cells and getting little or no results. True? True. So we look at the various cells they have very similar breakdowns and they go into different uh, cellular types. What we're looking at right here exactly? 
Well, when we're a newborn, we're rich in our stem cell bank. So that means when you fall down, you get up, and then you have an injury, you actually heal really fast because we're rich in our stem cell bank. So one out of 10,000 cells are your stem cells as a newborn. But as we age, our stem cells starts to decline. I've heard statistics, as many as one billion stem cells can be released in a newborn upon an injury to heal. Yet, as you reach a teenager, it's dropped by a significant fraction, by a tenth of that. And by the age of 30, we're barely able to uh, denote, denote or that is create or produce sufficient stem cells. By the age of 50, it drops down to somewhere like under 100,000 stem cells by the age of uh, 70 or 80, it drops to about 30 to 50 stem cells per the entire body to try and heal and keep up with repair. This is not sufficient as we know, and if we leave nature to its own devices, we deteriorate rather rapidly as you can see, certainly past the age of 50, but profoundly past the age of 80, and this is where the new science comes in because research continues to increase the number of potential benefits for anti-inflammatory, immunological, that is immunomodulatory and mm -hmm. rejuvenative actions of the stem cells. So this is written up in the medical literature and the science and the references. So we really have to look at what's going on because we have a lot of what's called MSCs, right? Yes. And these mesenchymal stem cells in our younger years, but and they're good for repairing muscle, bone, cartilage, and tendons. But they don't just go across the board and repair all cell types. And I want you to not linger on this, but to get this message clearly as we proceed. So there are essentially two categories of stem cells. Dr. Geringer, what are those? One is the autogalous stem cells. In other words, from you to you. PRP, bone marrow, and adipose tissue are what we call autogalous stem cells. Give me They're an example from, of PRP. What, 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 when would you use it? And is it platelet-enriched plasma, correct? Yes, it's called platelet-enriched plasma therapy. And what it is is that you take your own blood and you spit it down and you re-inject it into your body. And we see that in hair restoration. Okay, so with that concentration, there's certain uh, rejuvenative uh, qualities to this very concentrated form of blood and that serum or plasma, if you will, is going to help the body to repair or in the case of hair growth, improve hair growth. I've done bone marrow uh, transfer, that is from my own bone marrow. I've had uh, right directly into my leg, it's mm -hmm. sucked up and the bone marrow then concentrated and essentially injected and because bone marrow itself is pretty rich in stem cells, particularly in the mesenchymal stem cells, right? Yes, yes. And then adipose tissue stem cells. I know you had that experience, Dr. Nick. You know, uh, the first two or three injections of adipose stem cells from my own uh, were okay. Everything went well. Uh, it seemed to show some improvement, but it was in subsequent injections that my body set up kind of an immune response from a biological material, partly because of I think the collection and separation materials, the procedure, so you've got to be very careful because most laboratories are really not set up to do this process properly. And I'm of the school of thought now that the adipose tissues are highly inflammatory, mm -hmm. that they may have their place, say for example, in breast tissue augmentation yes. where it's kind of fat going into the fatty area. It probably makes sense, but when you're starting to inject certain other tissues, or certainly I wouldn't go so far as 
to do general IV with adipose tissues at all. No. I wouldn't look at, uh, there's been some serious mistakes done in injection in the eyeballs. Oh my gosh. Very horrible uh, outcomes in these situations. So you really have to know uh, if your practitioners really understand this whole science, I've been working with some of the lead researchers and scientists from around the world. You look at uh, Neil Reardon and his early work with stem cell therapy, I guess, out of the Panama Canal area, yes. correct? Um, David Steenblock, umbilical cord uh, stem cell therapy, which he's done a lot of good work with people uh, with uh, cerebral palsy and autism and so forth. And uh, and how about this stem cell for joint fitness? Who's this person, <laughs> Dr. Nick Delgado? Well, it's it's in a manual that's only reserved for doctors. I've written these courses and programs for doctors. Uh, some of the general public could get a glimpse of some clips from it, but it really is written for the practitioner so that we can get them on the right page. And the, the newer sciences, now we're talking about allergenic from donor to use. In other words, a separate organism to you, yes. correct? And before we move on to that mm. subject, Dr. Nick, I just want to bring up the autogalous stem cell from you to you. Mm -hmm. They're your age because they're your stem cells. That's a disadvantage exactly. because if you're getting older and you're trying to heal the body and these stem cells a little bit worn and battle worn, in other words, they have less stem cells per uh, concentration, 50, 60, we've already pointed out 70, 80 year olds. It's just not gonna get the kind of results. But what if you can get the stem cells from day zero, essentially? I know, right? That's, That's what you want. That would be ideal. And how can we get that done with a safe transfer that is also ethical and legal? That's really the yes, big question, right? And I think question. we have some answers for you right here. So here's the different type of cell types. Allogenic, again, fetal embryonic, which essentially from human is not legal. It is illegal. And it doesn't make much sense. There are some potential risk with this kind of intervention. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I know there's a lot of interest in it and there has been a lot of research money, but it hasn't proven out there again, some of these cells can kind of become robe and alter. Whereas umbilical cord blood stem cells, I've had nothing but good experiences with uh, in thousands of uh, infusions of individuals from the safe umbilical cord mm -hmm. collected properly and then transferred. The only downside is you've got to freeze it oftentimes, right? Yes, to transfer it. It'd be mm -hmm. ideal if we could get fresh, brand new. Of but I'm course. not even sure if that's completely necessary. But because the genetic code hasn't changed yet, mm -hmm. you're basically um, looking at a situation where the mother and the baby, once breastfeeding takes place, and those cells take on a genetic code, now you can't really transfer them without having the tissue match. That's a limitation, of course. But umbilical cord itself, uh, again, collected properly under proper conditions. There's parts of the world that are allowing and encouraging, and particularly even in this country, I believe, uh, with leukemia, they've done exactly. some work here. I mean, I had umbilical cord blood yeah. um, stem cells done, and I absolutely love it. And I do it for regenerative medicine purposes. And it could be, we have theories about, could it be the growth factors are surrounding the umbilical cord, all mm -hmm. the other uh, nutrients and uh, particles and information that helps the, the body to kind of rejuvenate because it's getting all these fresh young stem cells going throughout the body. What about placenta? We're looking at that. We're looking at amniotic fluid, Wharton's jelly, exosomes, xenocell transportation. We're going to go in more depth yes. here right now. Uh -huh. That's fascinating stuff. So autologous versus allogenic. Uh, once again, the definition being? Okay, autologous means from you to you. Mm -hmm. So the stem cells made from your own body. And then allogenic is stem cells from a donor to you. 
Right. Okay, so autologous from you to you. Again, we've mentioned PRP, bone marrow, and adipose tissue. Uh, I would say that, you know, for myself, I feel comfortable with PRP. Yes. It's mm -hmm. been done successfully under proper sterile conditions. Uh, bone marrow has its place, I think, particularly in the area when you're working with tendons, joints, ligaments, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. Adipose tissue, I, I'm going to, again, restate myself. I know there's doctors that are very big on it. They'll tell you, hey, you've got a lot of fat, no problem. We can just collect them and inject them. But uh, after subsequent uh, collections, uh, the body tends to set up some kind of, mm, kind of even biological like defense. And also, again, adipose tissue is somewhat highly inflammatory. You can mm -hmm. expand them, which I would advise. Everything now is under close quarters and they restrict you from expanding, meaning try and increase the number of stem cells just to get a large quantity, which the cells don't always replicate in consistent um, replications, right? Which means they're inferior cells. They're not working at full potency or safety, okay? So uh, again, here, here we're getting into some more mechanisms and uh, probably reserve some, some more in-depth uh, textbook type information. But uh, the autologous stem cell transportation can be done. Uh, it can be done with, with blood. It can be collections of the specific stem cells. It can be for various treatments um, and uh, peripheral blood as well. So there are several processing. And again, it just depends. The doctor needs to decide what type of therapy, exactly. what's the outcome, what cell types are you working with, and more importantly, where are you getting stem cells from? What in true is it, are these cells alive or have they been frozen and it's hard to resurrect them to be functional at a high biological uh, property? All these questions need to be asked. And let's, let's again summarize PRP because I think this is a good thing to do when you're doing especially cosmetic procedures, oh, right? Oh, yes. Like uh, what? The Kardashians, they make PRP really famous. They call it the vampire lift or something like that. So what she basically did was that she received PRP. So it's a combination of microneedling on top of taking her PRP, her own stem cells, and rub it on her face so that it causes the stem cells to absorb through her dermis layer and um, tightens up the skin a little bit. Okay. Yes. All right. And then they also use PRP for what they call the Cleopatra shots, which really help, helps to enhance the orgasms, or even for um, incontinence for women. Okay. Are they using it for men in the male organ as well? Yes. They call it either the P-shot or there's well, another name for it. They're basically trying to get yes. enlargement and sensitivity to mm -hmm. the male organ as well. Of course, you know, these things in conjunction with uh, peptides, uh, growth hormone, uh, testosterone, helping to learn how to kind of manage estrogen levels. All these things can contribute to the desired outcome. So don't depend on one therapy. Be working with good practitioners who we work with directly. We know who the best people out there are and trained and what they're doing to make this uh, mm -hmm. therapy safe, effective, and with desirable outcomes. So keep in mind platelets, uh, they, if they're coming from poor plasma, you really want the platelet-rich plasma, that segment of the collected blood. You want to separate out the red blood cells because the red blood cells, you know, essentially are more, if you will, like an organ that they can be rejected. I mean, you yes. were talking about mm -hmm. uh, transfusions, essentially. So we draw blood in a place in the tube, in the centrifuge, and that's how we're going to go about in the proper procedures here in this particular category, right? Exactly. Bone marrow procedures done under general anesthesia. 
Uh, the patient's bone marrow is harvested directly from the hip bone or in the shin bone, in my case, uh, through a rather large needle. Yes. Uh, it's local anesthetic. Uh, I videotaped my own self while it was being done. So it wasn't, you know, something that was um, beyond uh, sensitive uh, pain levels, but it, it was a little creepy, you know, to have the <laughs> bone marrow kind of sucked up and like, whoa, that kind of felt weird. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, again, all in the effort of science for myself, just trying to perfect and understand what works, what doesn't, what is the best type of procedure for what your outcome is desired. So uh, keep in mind the bone marrow biopsy uh, essentially is pulling up from an area of the, of the bone that's rich with various types of uh, cells and cell activity. And that's uh, the process. And back to adipose tissue, the process involves liposuction type procedure, requires 25 to 50 cc of adipose tissue. Again, my concern is what is the uh, separating material, the fat to separate to get the stem cells? Um, is it FDA approved? Is it animal based? Is it human based? I ask all these questions before I would let anyone do any of these procedures for Absolutely. adipose tissues. And yes. are they for sure being careful to not expand them and create issues? Because it's mm -hmm. not necessary. Most of these cells are very potent. Most good cosmetic surgeons are better and know how to work with this kind of tissue. But be careful again of rampantly using adipose tissues for various types of healing procedures that are claimed to help and in most cases are not your best intervention. So liposuction, sure, we all know about lipo. Uh, is there a limit to how much you can take? Sure. Uh, does it make sense, particularly in a thin aging individual? We've had and worked with some patients where it was a little bit problematic. And so uh, I say problematic in getting enough fat tissue mm -hmm. because in some of the seniors, they've they're really kind of gotten rather slender and not have much body fat to, yes. to collect. Um, so. Once again, then allergenic from donor to you. Uh, here's the approved or potentially available types of uh, donor separate from you, meaning you know essentially uh, either again human from human babies or uh, in, in terms of their fluids, right? And also the cell types. So uh, these are good approaches: umbilical cord blood, placenta amniotic fluid, Warren's jelly, exosomes, xenocell transplantation. We're starting to see that probably combinations of these therapies make oh, sense. yes, exactly. And it's not a one-size-fit-all. It really depends on the individual. So talking to your healthcare provider can really streamline what kind of stem cells benefits you. It's yeah, for individualized, example, right. yes. So we're going to get into a little bit more detail on each of these, but let's go back and again rehearse here what we've talked about. Fetal or embryonic, illegal in the U.S., uh, and in many countries, uh, extremely controversial, derived from undifferentiated, undifferentiated inner mass cells of a human embryo. That in itself is a problem because obviously you're sacrificing a human embryo. Yes. Uh, we're essentially talking about you know uh, issues of, about abortion, and so it is a big issue, and uh, we pay attention to that. And I, although I've heard of certain countries still doing this kind of procedure, mm -hmm. uh, it, it's just not necessary. Why? Because there are, is a legal intervention in various countries. The Japanese, who have pioneered a lot of the early work with stem cells, Nobel Prize laureates have come out of. The latest findings we're talking about, and this is described in uh, uh, Pro Professor Mike K.S. Chan's uh, book, and that's Stem Cell and Regenerative uh, Medicine. And so this, along with his co-author, Dmitry Kolkov, um, is talking about this science and it's it's in the literature you just have to dig and they took a lot of time and research and effort with their team that I met 
uh, in in uh, uh, Malaysia. Kota. Kota Kinbalu. Kinbalu. <laughs> also, they have uh, facilities in Thailand, and um, they're doing work obtaining cells out of Germany and Switzerland. And soon, I believe, uh, work will be taking place in Mexico as well and other parts of the world. So it's an interesting, but here, here's the, the novel uh, breakthrough that was a little challenging for me at first to accept or to yes. recognize. <laughs> but when the Japanese scientists started recognizing that, look, at, at the embryo stage, uh, a rabbit essentially, you know, uh, at that point of birth, when you extract those cells of brain cells or liver cells or uh, kidney cells, those cells are virtually identical to human embryo cells. And we don't have to sacrifice, obviously, human embryo. And now, although sure, they are rabbits in this case, uh, sometimes sheep, but rabbits approved for biological use, so they're free of contaminants, they're secluded and separated from, and they're used for this purpose. Uh, there's many authorities that have been consulted, like the Dalai Lama and others, uh, whatever your faith is. I want you to be aware, this is not randomly sacrificing a bunch of animals. Yeah. It's for the purpose to successfully uh, do what's called cell transfer. Human to animals been done, and now we know animal to humans been done, including to yours truly. I investigated enough that I felt it was worthwhile, safe, and effective. And the procedure was essentially, I didn't even feel it. Uh, I mean, it was just so painless, if you will, uh, like a little local pinch. He said, okay, we're injecting these uh, volumes of fluid filled with millions of stem cells. Yes. And uh, that's organ specific. Yes, organ specific. And that's a huge, huge factor because essentially these cell lines express high levels of telomerase activity. Mm -hmm. uh, but what we're looking at, and this is right in the up-to-date uh, science journals, starting uh, by Thornton back in science in 1998. So we've known about this for a number of years, but I was even looking up even current journal findings and certainly the science uh, in some cases is progressing very, very rapidly. And more importantly, People who need this therapy and treatment, which is all of us who are aging, all of us who have concerns about kidney failure, about uh, needing or waiting for, say, a liver transplant, that only one in four actually receive a liver mm -hmm. transplant. And unfortunately, all these people are dying because they're, they're, there's no other alternative for them up until now. Cardiomyopathy, heart ejection fractions are improving, the eyesight, retinopathy. Uh, we're looking at Huntington's disease, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, uh, autism, and various forms of Asperger's and even Down syndrome, yes, right? Yes, yes. So uh, I think this is a, a time that we really have to all become educated, be aware of what we're proceeding with. Now, human umbilical cord blood is amazing for what it's good for, and it's probably good for blood-borne conditions and diseases as well. Exactly. But I don't think it'll cross all the cell types, it won't necessarily transmit umbilical cord blood to become, say, automatically brain cells or lung cells or muscle cells. It's probably more consistent with um, a lot of athletes are benefiting from it, yes. but it, mm -hmm. it's probably more in that category uh, or particularly in rejuvenating the immune system. That's a good use for it. So again, what do you want? Fast, yes, simple, safe, sure, uh, intra, ocular injection. So where's that coming into in the body? Uh, a lot of times so we can just inject where the paraspinal muscle is if somebody's complaining about um, muscle skeletal system problems or you know what we see is that we see a lot of results when patients are coming in with even COPD.
we see improvement in that as well. And one thing I love about the umbilical cord blood is that there's no HLA matching. What does that mean? That means there is no potential adverse or a allergic response. I, I've seen that um, in the collection and the preservation of mm -hmm. the stems, uh, of the cord blood stem cells, that the collection material, sometimes they have to do extra washes because there's a little bit of a kind of a natural preservative in it. And if it's at a higher level, I've seen a few people have a sensitivity to that, but nothing that was a serious no, adverse biological because reaction. Because they use something called DSMO. Yes. And anybody that has an, a sulfa allergy or you think you have an, a sulfa allergy, I would say take a Benadryl before your treatment or really speak to your provider about it. Tell them you're concerned because again, not all stem cells are the same. So what you wanna do is figure out what would work for you. What are your needs? What are your goals? So we're talking about potent, robust, and consistent, rich mm -hmm. source of T cells and B cells. In other words, a great way to help to restore and build up the immune system. Yes. Uh, this is reported in Stem Cell Review, uh, the authors in that manuscript available. Uh, and that was 2013, August 26. So th this information is coming up so rapidly and consistently. So, but here, here's where we're really looking at. What do the MSCs do? Can these uh, mesenchymal stem cells uh, that are derived from, say, the, the, the cord blood mm -hmm. or placenta and so forth, are they transmitting over to liver cells, fat cells, cardiac cells, nerve cells? cartilage and bone cells and muscle cells. In some cases, there's a little bit of transfusion. It could be, again, more the result coming from the surrounding growth factors, the hormones, all these rich, uh, important environmental fluids that are part of this whole mm -hmm. stem cell collection that takes place, say, in cord blood and so forth. But here's where we have to look at. Here's another type of tissue, right? Placenta. What's going on here? So it's extracted from the placenta through amniocentesis. So a large portion of it can have cellular debris mm -hmm. and there's no CD34 or no mesenchymal stem cells in, in these placental stem cells. Okay, so it might be a good uh, bathing um, excipient or addition to a procedure. If yes. someone's saying they're injecting placenta and you're getting a mass number of, of stem cells, really you're really not going to get the, what your anticipation is mm -hmm. i don't think the outcome is going to be exactly what you would hope for and so uh again does it have its place to kind of mix together with other more potent forms of stem cells and so forth probably absolutely mm -hmm. so again let's look at the science because the placenta right loaded with fluids and amniotic cavity you know all these nutrient uh, rejuvenative uh, fluids because it's part of the birthing process. Very, very important. Exactly. But uh, what are we looking at with amniotic fluid? Is this an important uh, aspect of? Yes, it's extracted from the amniotic sac. It's minimally manipulated. And again, there's no CD34 or no mesenchymal stem cells in it. But it contains cytokines and growth factors that what we call are scaffolding proteins that can benefit the, um, the, the protein pathway for your body. But amniotic fluid is kind of like what the fetus excretes right. right out into the fluid. Okay, so we're looking at a reference brain circulation 2017, July, September 
the volume three, page 175. So this information is coming to you very direct as we continue to review and update uh, our course material and information for the doctors and the general public. Uh, you know, again, there's, there's amniotic egg, uh, there's a yolk, the sac, the albumin, uh, all of these different structures certainly are part of the growth of a new little organism, right? Mm -hmm. So it's amazing. <laughs> we're really looking at this frontier. What is Wharton's jelly exactly? Well, it's, everybody talks about Wharton's jelly. So what it is is that it's a umbilical cord tissue, and it actually contains no live cells. Okay. But it's a rich source of protein, cytokines, and growth factors. Mm -hmm. So it might be kind of that combination that you're doing something with stem cells, mm -hmm. peptides, and Wharton's jelly. Uh, and it could be ideally maybe even cell-specific that mm -hmm. we've defined a little bit in the xenocell transfers. But all this, essentially, it, it yields the highest amount of clinically available young mesenchymal stem cells, a rich source of mesenchymal stromal cells. But again, we're looking at what is that for? Its chief purpose is more, again, for the immune system, probably some transfer to some of the joint tissue and so forth. So this, again, um, is probably more affordable to an extent, right? Yes, Relatively almost, speaking. but it's, it's kind of like the jelly part. That's why they have Wharton's jelly, the jelly part of your, um, of your umbilical cord. And okay. that's how they isolate it. Makes sense. Okay, and the fact that it has no uh, living uh, cells, you know, that, that becomes another issue that we can address here shortly. But just keep in mind, stem cells are typically found in good concentration in the cord tissue, the cord lining, uh, the surrounding blood, and the endothelium. So Warden's jelly comes from mesenchymal cells and the umbilical cord uh, matrix. So uh, we, again, look at the human umbilical cord uh, peripheral axis, uh, ax that is cell peripheral vascular cells. And so uh, we're, we're really at the frontier of biological medicine. And, and uh, I know uh, uh, Mike K.S. Chan, professor, he's written a new book in the biological medicine yes. as well. And mm -hmm. now there's a cell uh, ther therapy intervention book that's uh -huh. just coming out that we are reviewing. We're going to report to you and our findings and so forth. Exosomes are very popular right now. Mm -hmm. What's going on with exosomes? Well, exosomes, what they are, they I feel like they are really heavily manipulated. So they put a lot of growth factors in there to expand the cells. But I also feel like exosomes actually need guidance from something else. So picture exosomes as like the drugs that has to be delivered to a patient. But you need the pharmacy to be there to tell the pharmacist how to distribute those drugs. So they need some kind of direction. So the exosome release is a regulated and it occurs through an energy dependent pathway. Okay. So they need some form of energy to kind of push them to the direction that they need to be at. And exosome has been very, very popular in the United States, but I just feel like we need a little bit more thorough research on it. That's my mm -hmm. professional opinion. Yeah, I think they're relatively new on the frontier yes. and they're kind of mixed in discussions about stem cells. But let's be clear, these these cells, exosomes are kind of the exoskeleton. They're, they're not living uh, mm -hmm. stem cell tissue, uh, but that doesn't mean they may have not have a benefit. They do, they do. Uh, but again, what is it you're trying to accomplish? Are you just trying to keep your costs low, affect some kind of result? And it's great when something works and it has a safety level, 
but maybe, you know, again, as we pursue these different types of avenues, uh, understanding the early endosomes, the exosomes, uh, how, and of course, lysosomes and the interticular reticulum, the Golgi bodies, all these things are part at the cellular level. What's going on that's so critical in uh, cell therapy and intervention? And here's uh, probably one of the, the, the new exciting frontiers. Even though it's been around, I think mm -hmm. there's a lot more excitement about it because people have kind of experimented with various types of stem cells that we've talked about, and some of them fell far short of what we hoped. So we started looking at this because the organ-specific is one of the critical homing criteria that these stem cells and other similar cell types will gravitate to. So what does that mean, liver to liver? Brain yes, to brain, exactly. Kidney organ to kidney, to organ. organ to organ. So if you're injecting, say, mesenchymal stem cells and hoping they're going to go mm -hmm. in large quantity to repopulate or reju rejuvenate the kidneys if someone's having mm -hmm. problems with their kidneys or failure or liver or the brain tissues, not really. This is where you have to look closely. This is where the frontier now is, is really focused on, obtaining from cell-specific in their final stage of their uh, development and that final stage, just prior to birth, they're basically extracting from rabbit. They have used sheep. They have used some other uh, animal types, such as, um, I believe, pig. Uh, studies show that the implanted cells disappear from the implantation site and are identified within 48 to 72 hours in the target organ tissue. In other words, once they're injected in the buttocks, and there's a local anesthetic and it kind of looks like just a, a big syringe yes, with a uh -huh. lot of fluid and they you saw it you saw it being oh, done yes. on me myself right i know <laughs> and i filmed it too oh. <laughs> yes i did oh, wow <laughs> we oh. might hold that footage for <laughs> another show more for the doctors uh, but i think just the fact that you know we're out there in this frontier under the belief and assumption that these uh, new cells now going through out my body as we speak. This procedure was done just less than days ago, right? Exactly. Pretty exciting, exactly. and I'm feeling great. Uh, it's certainly a little too soon to tell, but we're going to be able to monitor my biological age, uh, various indicators that we can assess for a normal person approaching age 65, January 5th, 2020, and we'll see how many more infusions that I might want or involve myself with because uh, a lot of these successful uh, cell transplants mm -hmm. are what I call beyond stem cells and they're being used um, in certain intervals that have been developed and described in protocols such as this book and science out of Japan, Germany, Switzerland. So it's not new. There's over 60,000 transplants alone um, and every day new transplants are taking place with essentially no tissue reaction, no uh, anaphylactic shock, no recorded Nothing. issue at all. Nothing. You were fine when you received your stem cell. I, you know, that's what encouraged me because as mm -hmm. I said, I, I've undergone virtually every kind of stem cell or cell transplant except for you know embryo from from uh -huh. human fetus and so forth but I had a few issues and I'm, I was very blatant and, and direct about the issues with my concern about fat-derived stem cells. Again, for those who've had okay transplants, it may be okay first, second, or third time, but 
depending on how your body sensitivity is. Whereas we're not seeing that with xenocell transplant. We're not seeing any kind of rejection. And it might be the interval uh, once every three months or six months, whatever your exactly. budget uh, allows mm -hmm. for. It could be once a year. But particularly with kids with brain damage, oh, with yes. autism, what was it? One in 5,000 kids had autism. Now it's approaching one in 50. I know. It's so out of control. And you know, my heart goes out to anyone. I being a father of a son, my oldest, uh, older son, one of my older sons, who had a, um, if you will, uh, an injection of a, a type of RH factor, positive and negative, and it wasn't a good outcome. It caused permanent brain damage. And uh, sometimes you get to a point where uh, the child gets too old and it's past that point where they feel they're gonna get results. But the science is showing that they're still seeing results in some people aged 15 to 28. Yes. Uh, ideally, the kids are in the ranges of say, gosh, as young as is two years to, to five years. But I know the Down syndrome, they're getting the kids because they already know there's a genetic yes. defect. Uh -huh. Like nearly at, at birth, they're already starting to interfe oh, yeah. intervene. So uh, again, uh, the excitement is, is out now. And it's it, this is just an example showing uh, the CD133 uh, for a mice uh, capable of causing a tumor in a, in a mouse. So we're seeing how these human colorectal cancer cells that they transmit. And in a lot of discussion about stem cells and the relationship to these immortal cancer cells. Mm -hmm. But we're now starting to look at, well, wait a minute. If these cancer cells are essentially immortal, what if we can identify, as we're doing now, the right cell type cultures to just turn the clock back within months, tissues that, like I said, uh, organs that normally are aging at a mm -hmm. rather predictable rate, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. So here's the science, this is the excitement, this is just a brief overview of the interventions that are showing not only promise, but improvement, and in some cases, dramatic reversal of various conditions. And we're gonna go through these. Uh, you take the first ca uh, category, take a look into this camera here. Uh, yeah. Bev, just uh, zoom in on, on Catherine there, and I'll, I'll take the middle, and then the last one we'll go through. What, what may include an improvement in this whole science of... Um, of these stem cell research. Chronic and, pain, mm -hmm. erectile dysfunction, Peyronie's disease, lupus, lupus nephritis, cyst cystitis, Crohn's disease, autism, cirrhosis of the liver, alopecia, lichen plantis, psoriasis, or vertiligo. Uh, scleroderma, uh, sorgones, uh, endometriosis, crest syndrome, uh, a polymyositis, arthritis, uh, scarodosis, and fibromyalgia, myothema gravis, Parkinson's disease, diabetes type 2, uh, vasculitis, chronic fatigue. Gastritis, Raynaud's phenomenal, ankylosing spondylitis, Guillain-Barre syndrome, psoriatic, lungs disease, asthma, heart disease, ALS, Alzheimer's disease, stroke, drug addiction. Being in the health, and we just produced a talk in mm -hmm. uh, Asia, in Malaysia, KL, and in uh, Indonesia, and that talk was healing therapies from the U.S. Yes. And it was this overview, this in-depth review uh, that we've brought to the doctors in Asia. We're going to continue to offer these courses and education. So please share, because at this point, um, there is, um, shall we say, quite a bit of 
information that uh, we're making a lot more simple and easy for people to understand yeah. because sometimes you can have these complex treatments and therapies. Case in point, uh, California, uh, they approved like a multi-billion dollar budget to mm -hmm. research and develop uh, stem cells and yet they hadn't even treated one patient over the course of several yeah. years. All they were doing was looking at embryo and life and you know reproduction and, and how are these stem cells and you know trying to uh, look at this, the science of animal research but at one point are you going to intervene to help humans like you and I who are aging and that's why I'm so excited about some of the worldwide research and that's mm -hmm. why I'm teaming up with these scientists who we believe are cutting edge. Now uh, we, we're not making endorsements or claiming any mm -hmm. kind of cures or telling you you must go see this particular practitioner. All we're doing is reporting what I'm doing myself and my given right uh, and my religious freedom to s express to you that there may be very well these frontiers of biological aging as we monitor chart after chart, client after chart, including myself, mm -hmm. I'm your, your go-to guy to find out what in the heck is going on with Dr. Nick and what is best for you. So right, what are, what are the questions and answers so that people the, should ask? The biggest question is that what type of stem cells are best? And honestly, the honest answer is a thorough understanding of your patient's history will provide you the answer. It's not like, not all stem cells are the same. It really depends on what your needs are and you have to have that conversation with your healthcare provider. And I think in this field, there's so much excitement and promise, but there's cost involved and as I mentioned, the risk of biological material. So having been investigating this from early years when it was first being developed and making it available to patients and clients. I'm one of the early pioneers. Yes, you were. And I want to tell you that mm -hmm. I held off for a number of years because I reserve, <clears throat> excuse me, reserved the right to look at what works, what's safe, and what might you and I benefit in the coming future, which is now. And always, mm -hmm. first, do no harm. Right. So take a look at lifeperformance.store. We're doing some novel uh, inventions, we're looking at peptides, we're looking at uh, nano um, organelles. organelles, we're doing a number mm -hmm. of things that are being made available beyond the research phase now. We're deep into that intervention, working with various practitioners around the world. If you want to work with us closely, please let us know. And if you, as an individual who's concerned about the rate at which you're aging, you have family members and so forth, please share this material and information. And if you have any kind of questions, we have formats and forums to share with you whatever social platform you like. More importantly, we're now stepping up the pace to broadcast live whenever we can and share with you. So thank you very much. This is Dr. Nick Delgado. Be strong, be well. Dr. Kathleen Garinger, thank you. Good night. Please give us a review on iTunes and we'll be happy out of the group of reviews to choose a lucky winner of one of our award-winning products. It could be Esterblock, Adrenal DMG, Stem Cell Strong, or even Power and Speed. We'll ship you a bottle at no cost. You'll enjoy it just from basically giving us a review on iTunes. Also, visit DelgadoProtocol.com. That's DelgadoProtocol.com and take our free hormonal quiz. Looking forward to assisting you to be your absolute best.